This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. On this episode of the Steelers Standard, we're going to take a look at the draft in depth. We'll look at the position groups that the Steelers are going to be interested in and some of the prospects that we think could be big time rookie of the year candidates in 2021 but before we get to that i think we should take a good long look at the sexiest position in every single nfl draft and that is the quarterbacks obviously the steelers are getting closer to having to need a quarterback in the draft but this is not the year for that big ben is coming back he will be the steelers starter in 2021 you need to put all of your focus into building around him and trying to get a team in place that can win a couple playoff games with ben at the helm and a quarterback just ain't going to help with that but As far as the quarterback class is concerned, this one has the potential to be a big-time one. Uh, In an earlier episode we did this week, we talked about uh, how quarterback changeover has happened around the league, and we went through uh, from 2009 to 2016, and some of the first rounds (laughs) that these teams picked were just not that great. Bad. Uh, This one has the potential to be a Burrow and a Herbert class, a Mm -hmm. Ben and an Eli class, I think. Uh, At the top... You definitely have your Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence. He is the slam dunk runaway favorite to be the number one overall pick. If I was the Jacksonville Jaguars and I was Urban Meyer, I'd always be I'd already be working offenses around Trevor Lawrence. I mean, there's just no chance in hell they take another player or trade out of this pick. It's a done deal. Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick. And I don't think we've seen hype around a quarterback like this since Andrew Luck mm-hmm. and the Colts back in, I think it was 2012 when he came out of Stanford. Yep, that's when he was drafted, 2012. Um, and when you think about this guy, well, real quick, I'll, I'll talk about Lawrence real quick, and then I'll ask you a question um, going off of that. Um, when you think about Lawrence, like you said, we haven't seen a quarterback have this type of hype in a really long time. Um, you know, like like you said, since Andrew Luck, um, and it's kind of interesting too. He's you know going to an unfamiliar, well, I guess an unfamiliar place, but that that place has so much potential. Uh, and I said in a couple episodes ago, potential is a dirty word, but when you talk about Jacksonville, like new coach coming in, Urban Meyer, and, and how's he going to do in the NFL? And then you look at Jacksonville, like they're not terrible, even though they're one in fifteen last year. Like, can Trevor Trevor Lawrence make them a good team? I think he can. I think he can make just about. Any team he walked into, um, pretty darn good. If he's as good as everybody thinks that he's going to be, and I know that sometimes, um, you know, you'll have busts and things like that. But I don't think you're looking at that with Trevor Lawrence just because of um, the um, the hype surrounding him. And I know that hype doesn't necessarily mean anything. But if you've seen, if you saw some of the throws that he made at, at his pro day, I mean, he was off balance throwing the ball 65 yards down the field on a dime. I know that's with nobody chasing after him. I know that's in shorts and in uh, in basically a t-shirt. But anybody out there really can you consistently, you know, on the run throw at 65 yards on the dime? No, probably not. So, um, you know, when you look at him, I think he is a slam dunk number one. Um, he would be the guy I would go after if I'm the Jaguars. But the question that I wanted to ask um, is that when you look at some mock drafts now, um, I mean, some people are saying that Zach Wilson. Um, is a better, like, can't-miss prospect than Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying that I buy into that, but what is it? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that Wilson's a, going to be a bust, but what is it that's made 
teams look at Zach Wilson and say, oh, he's he's a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence. I don't understand that. There's always this guy in every draft that does this. Daniel Jones is the yeah, most recent true. one that comes to mind. And it's not to knock Daniel Jones. He still has potential in the NFL. Zach Wilson could be a really good NFL quarterback. But, you know, I saw the stuff about Zach Wilson and how he had jumped in front of Justin Fields. And I kind of took offense to that a little bit because I think Justin Fields is the slam dunk second best quarterback. That prospect. one I but, don't mind as much. No, I was just going to say that one I can at least, you know, here and my brain's not going to melt. I don't right. understand anybody trying to push Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence in this draft. That's no, just, I don't think so at all. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. I, I think he is an Andrew Luck, a runaway slam dunk first overall pick that will change the Jacksonville franchise for the next 10 years. I agree. I, I'm just, I just look at Wilson and I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not, I'm not um, discrediting Zach Wilson or saying that he's not going to be a good NFL player. Cause I think he does have some intangibles and, you know, the ability to run and, that fits well with the modern-day NFL quarterback. Um, that's something that we've talked about a lot. Your quarterback has to be able to run a little bit. And the funny thing is, all three of these top um, – heck, all four of the top you know, quarterbacks that will probably get taken in the first round are that new kind of mold of quarterback. Um, you don't necessarily have to run uh, like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, but you have to be able to use your feet, and all four of these guys can do it. Um, but when you look at – uh, Zach Wilson, you know, and I'm not saying anything bad about BYU either, but um, it's a smaller school. I just, it kind of seems like too that the guys from the smaller schools are, are always the guys that, like you said, Tom, there's always that guy in the draft that, you know, climbs always, up the yep. stock and, and kind of overtakes guys. Um, it's going to be interesting because I, I wouldn't be shocked if Wilson. Um, is the second quarterback taken? Like I wouldn't really be I that think surprised. He's gonna be now. Yeah, I think you, it's really changed. The trend has changed that. Way. Do you think you could credit Ben Roethlisberger coming out of Miami for that trend of smaller school guys kind of being like, oh, what have we not been watching? Not what not been paying attention to. We've we've spent too much time in the Power Five conferences. We've we've missed out on smaller conferences like the MAC where Ben came from. You know, Ben, yeah, is an example, but I think there's a long list of examples yeah. of players that helped that. I mean, uh, Brett Favre went to Southern Miss. Uh, Terry Bradshaw went to Louisiana. Yeah, I you mean, know, a little the, different back then, but you're right. Tony Romo went to, I think it was East Illinois or Northern Illinois. One, one, of, the, one of the yeah. directional Illinois is where Tony <laughs> Romo went. So, I mean, there's definitely been more of a track record that teams are saying, hey, yeah, we see that this guy played at North Dakota State and we want to take Carson Wentz. Right. Or Josh Allen played at Wyoming. We still want to take him, but... Ben's absolutely a part of that list of a guy who came from a smaller school at a smaller non-Power 5 conference that has shown that, hey, that doesn't really matter. I can still be super successful in the NFL. Uh, Trey Lance is another guy coming from one of those schools. But when you look at those quarterbacks, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, and Lance, other than that, the class really drops off a cliff. Mac Jones is the next one listed. Uh, I don't think – you say it jumps, drops off a cliff. I agree. But I don't think Mac Jones is like – Super low behind those guys. Like I know he's not able that's, to run the, the cliffs, way that those guys that's are. That's fair. Do you but think then the, the cliff starts after Mac Jones? That's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, I think that's fair. Maybe okay. Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask are late round sleepers. I agree. But other than that, Davis Mills, Jamie Newman, Shane Buchel, KJ Costello. I mean, those guys just are yeah. career backups at best in the NFL. Yeah, that's at best. I mean, and I agree that there is a drop off after Trey Lance and those four guys, but. I, I, you know, give some credit to Mac Jones, too. Um, you know, I know that he's, you know, he's throwing the ball to Waddle and to um, uh, Devontae Smith the entire year. So he's got some incredible playmakers that he's throwing the ball to. And that's kind of one of the things that you kind of worry about with Alabama quarterbacks is, 
Um, you know, they're throwing to some of the best talent in the world. I mean, you look at those wide receivers, both of them are probably going to go in the top 10 from the same team. Um, it's pretty amazing. Um, so you kind of wonder, will that translate into the NFL? Can he, you know, um, but I agree that there is a, a drop off, but then that cliff really gets super steep after Mac Jones. I agree with you 100% there. You know, we've talked about this on the show before. We were talking about specifically Justin Fields, comparing him guys, comparing him to guys like Dwayne Haskins, past Ohio State quarterbacks, who thought everyone thought was going to be a great NFL prospect because of how well they did in college, specifically at Ohio State. And we said, you know, it's weird that these Ohio State quarterbacks haven't done as well as the receivers. But we said, give me every defensive player, give me every skills position guy on offense from schools like Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama and Auburn because that's where the real talent is. It's just it's unfortunate for NFL teams who don't already have their quarterback that drafting an NFL quarterback from college is really anybody's guess as to who could be the next guy. I mean, obviously, like we just said, uh, Trevor Lawrence seems to be the guy, and Andrew Luck was the guy. But other than that, it's really hard. I mean, like we pointed out in our last episode, Kellen, how you said 09 to 16, zero of those quarterbacks taken in the first round were still on their same team. The only guy that's noticeable that it's still on the same team is Russell Wilson, who was taken in the third round by the Seahawks. So it's the most important position, but the hardest to judge as to who was NFL ready. What do you think is the deepest pool of prospects at the uh, position group? And why do you think it's always the wide receivers? It doesn't seem like it's, it's always, always the, wide the wide receivers, receivers. every single year. There's 15 wide receivers that are listed in the top 100 as far as Why do you think we've talked about Kevin Colbert taking a receiver in the fourth or fifth round and having no trouble with that? Is it just one of the most – it's just becoming the more most popular position for these kids when they are in high school where they want to decide to play. Obviously, it attracts one of the best athletes on the field at the wide receiver position, some of the faster players, and you got to have hands to play wide receiver. But for just some reason, it just seems like – every year there's just you can find receivers that are going to be impactful in the third fourth fifth rounds even sometimes because there's just so deep there's so many talented receivers in college well i think when you look at it too like you look at a lot of um you know especially say in the sec um teams are running four wide receivers right so there's more availability for those guys to get out on the field um and i think especially more so in the college four of game the top five are sec wide receivers exactly it's kind of the point that i'm making and those are all number ones i know that Devonte smith and uh, Jalen waddle are a different the same team yeah, yeah it's a different situation there but um you know there are probably um when you look at college football it's all spread offense for the most part and i know there are some teams that still run the ball and are under center but for the most part it's wide receivers there's four wide receivers on the field at all times and i think that's something that you know they're on the field a lot more and you see a lot more guys i just think there's more of them on the field and um i mean it's it's pretty crazy that like you said every year it seems like that wide receivers so deep you can get a home run in the in the fourth or fifth round um just because there's so many wide receivers that play on so many good college football teams um you know the third best or the second best wide receiver hell even the first best wide receiver at a school like say Purdue or Minnesota or something like that could still be NFL ready yet they don't get picked until the third round it's just there's such a deep talent dra- deep talent pool at the wide receiver group that you know sometimes and pretty much all the time guys like that always fall there's always going to be wide receivers available 
Yeah. Conversely, though, you look at running backs. Teams have gotten to be so afraid of drafting running backs. I was just going to say early. that in the next topic. They say don't take a running back in the first round, but there's two in this draft that I think have to go. Right. First and round. I just think it's so ironic how the Steelers would never have t- even floated the idea, given the idea any second of consideration of taking a running back in the first round in the last 10 years or so. Well, they and- took Rashad Mendenhall. In the first round? Oh, yeah. In, o- in 08, though. So that's 12, okay, 13 years ago. Okay, maybe you slide through the uh, statute of limitations there. Yeah, I said the last 10 years, so 13. So there you go. But, I, I mean, it's crazy how— Hell of a first-round pick, Rush Hardman and Hall. I mean, had a, had a he decent— He had an okay year. Had a decent—I mean, he went down his rookie year. Just don't fumble in the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. Got a good OT winner in week one against Atlanta, though, so give him credit But, yeah, for that. you don't take running backs no, in the first round. No, you do not. You just don't do it. It's just weird, though, because you see guys like you, the Heisman winner, I don't know, other than Devontae Smith, who was the last receiver to win the Heisman? Ooh. That's a really tough I mean, call. year after Desmond year. Desmond Howard was maybe the last one. Oh, but he man. Was, that's a Kind of like a wide receiver secondary combo, yeah. returner even, but – yeah, I don't know the answer, but almost every year, with the exception of Devontae Smith, yeah, Desmond the Heisman. Howard, oh, there you go. 1991, then wow. Tim Brown before him in 1987. So wow. we want to go for the true wide receiver. It's Tim Brown in 87. So nearly 30 years. Yeah. Or I guess 30 plus years. Sorry. Yeah. 30 plus years since you had seen a true wide receiver win the Heisman. But to my point, year in and year out, the Heisman is always. A, a quarterback or a quarterback, running back, running back yep. and those running backs just are so overlooked in the draft. I mean, ones that come to mind too specifically were Mark Ingram, who went to the Saints, who was I think I think the first rounder, but the Saints had two first round picks that year, and he was their second of their first. And uh, of course, Derrick Henry, who I thought was going to be one of the most f- forgettable Heisman winners ever, because. I mean, sure, he won in Alabama, but how hard is that to do? If you're in, if you're in Alabama, you're expected to be the best of the best. You're expected to win championships while you're there. But when he came to Tennessee initially, I thought he was just another guy that was taken too early and wasn't going to pan out. Now, of course, he's the best running back in the league, a 2,000-yard rusher, and the most physically punishing running back we've seen in a long time. But it's kind of weird how the running backs are the ones are the names who stand out year after year, but in the draft they're always always passed on. Well, talking about the running backs, that kind of leads us to the Steelers' groups of needs, and we've really beaten running back to death. But the offensive line, there's just a ton of depth in this draft at the offensive line, um, especially at the offensive tackle position. Uh, I mean, there is about seven or eight guys in the top fifty as far as prospects are concerned overall who play offensive tackle. So the Steelers are going to have a tough decision between one of those running backs and one of these talented tackles in the first round. Um, but when you look at center, that's where I think the Steelers need to circle and say, okay, this makes sense for us to take a center in the second round, no matter what, if they take a tackle in the first round, take a center in the second round, take the running back in the third. If they take a running back in the first round, take your center in the second round, take the tackle in the third. Because the best center is Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, and he's the 48th overall prospect. So it's kind of thin at the top, but it goes 48-53 with Landon Dickerson. Josh Myers is 70 from Ohio State in the sleeper, number 91 overall. Quinn Minert's from Wisconsin-Whitewater. So there's four centers that are really at the top of this class in the top 100 prospect pool. And I, I think the Steelers should take whichever one is available 
at the second round pick, uh, whoever's the best out of that group of four. Right. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the kid from Wisconsin, Whitewater. Um, I know that you mentioned what he's the 90th prospect. Is that what you said he was? He is 91. 91. So that yeah. is that fourth, late second? Fourth ranked center. Is that late second or early third? Early third. Okay. Don't hold your breath that he's going to be there early third. Like if you are the Steelers and that's why you're thinking like, oh, we can get the, the D3 kid in the in the third round. Don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be like a second round pick, a mid second round pick, or even an early second round pick. Like if both those centers are somehow gone by the time the Steelers pick, um, I know it would be a reach, but that kid's pretty darn good. Like I know he's the 91st prospect in the draft, but um, he's he's a darn good center. And don't let the D three thing fool you. Um, but you're right, Tom. I think you got to take one of those what three or, or four centers that you mentioned there. Um, you know, and obviously you would like to have um, you know the, the linemen from one of the big Division one schools like Bama or Oklahoma or something like that. Um, but don't let the Division three thing fool you if if it is the kid from Wisconsin Whitewater because that kid can play. I mean, he's a Division three kid and he's one of the top 100 prospects in the draft. That should tell you everything you need to know about the kid. But the more and more we talk about it, it sounds like these guys will all be available in the second round, kind of forcing the Steelers' hand to, to consider taking the running back in the first round. If those guys are going to be there potentially in the second, why waste that first-round pick if they're all going to be there in the second and you miss out on guys like Travis Etienne or Najee Harris? Yeah, I think that's an absolutely fair point, and that's why I think you know when you got so much depth at this one position in the draft that you got to be a little draft savvy, and you have to wait and hope that at least one or two of these guys that you can make a decision on will make it to uh, the second round for you. On the defensive side for the Steelers, though, uh, would cornerback probably be the biggest position of need that they have there? Prob- on D? Probably. On yeah, defense. I mean, we talked about it in a past episode recently how with – the combination of Joe Hayden and Mike Hilton or Cam Sutton not being on the team next year, the, the Steelers will be stretched pretty thin at that position. And if Steve Nelson goes down with an injury, then you're you're left with basically no one. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of good cornerbacks at the top of this class. There are about seven of them in the top 50. So if they wanted to in that first round, they could probably get a pretty impactful corner you just have so many more positions of need that you need to spend that first round pick on the line or running back being specific. And, yeah. you know, there are a lot in between this 100 overall prospect and 200 overall prospect. There's a lot of cornerbacks and the Steelers, I believe, have two picks in the fourth round. So that second pick in the fourth round or maybe even that first pick in the fourth round, they might want to circle CB and, and take one there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a, a good point. And we've talked about it a lot that the depth at corner isn't very good and you know, like you said, there are more glaring needs and there are more maybe important needs uh, when you look at the, the grand scheme of things for the Steelers. But when you look at corner, man, you need one. You need one bad, especially if, you know, like we keep talking about, God forbid if someone goes down or whatever it is, but you got to be prepared for that sort of thing. You got to have the depth back there. Um, and, you know, a third round pick that's a corner might not be all that sexy. It might not sound all that good or even a fourth round pick that's a corner might not sound all that great. But if it's a guy that can provide depth for you and it's a guy that, you know, in a pinch could play a little bit and be impactful, at least just a little bit, it's a draft pick well noted. It's a draft draft pick well used. Definitely. I mean, it's it's a guy that won't have to be an impact player, Kellen, but he'll be there to kind of fill in a gap if needed. And that's what 
the Steelers are looking to do on defense. I mean, we keep talking about the the catch-22 issue that they face. Do they go after the starting positions they need on offense, or do they try to fill out the holes, fill out the depth on defense? And I personally wouldn't be mad at a cornerback taken in the third or fourth round. Now, like you said, it wouldn't be the sexiest pick, kind of similar to taking an offensive lineman in the first round, not the sexy pick, but it's what you need. Now, the last position I want to look at for the Steelers is tight ends, and they definitely need help at the tight end position, but this is just not a position group in the draft, and really in any draft that tight ends are really that attractive at, except for one. And that's what brings me to the final topic here of this episode. Which player do you think could really impact right away in 2021, be a rookie of the year candidate and come out swinging? And I think mine is Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. I think this is a guy. Are you saying outside of the quarterback position? Yeah, I know. I'm saying total. Oh, really? I think over Ky- Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or any of these other guys. Because I think Kyle Pitts is going to go to a team that's going to make the playoffs next year. Mainly, I think he's going to go number 10 overall to the Dallas Cowboys. And I think he's going to just elevate that offense that already can has you imagine, so many weapons. Yeah, I was just going to say, can you imagine that receiving core with Kyle Pitts? Well, think about what they would be going through. They'd be thinking to themselves, how do we get to an offense that's Chiefs level? And I think that that's bringing in a guy like Kyle Pitts to be like a Travis Kelsey. Because, guys, I think he is going to be a Travis Kelsey. I, I think he's got the potential to be an absolute force at the tight end position, which the league is really shifting towards that where dominant tight ends, George Kittles, Travis Kelsey's can be bigger game breakers than great wide receivers just because they're so versatile. They're so strong. They can do so many different things. They can get those tough yardages and they can make those possession type of plays, but they can also stretch the field out because they're so freakishly athletic for their size. And Kyle Pitts just screams like that kind of guy to me. And, you know, I, I he's the eighth overall prospect, I have him fallen a little bit to the 10th pick with the Cowboys. The 11th pick with the Giants or the 13th pick with the Chargers would not be a bad landing spot for him either. I think any of those three teams Kyle Pitts lands on, he helps them get to the playoffs next year. I mean, it's he's projected to be a, a top, what, 10 pick, uh, yeah. you know, according to a lot of it's accounts. number 8th overall prospect. And, I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, I would look at him and say that he's a rookie of the year type talent, but I think he's a guy that can instantly come in and make an impact to just about any team in the league. And, you know, if he's a top 10 pick, like you said, to one of those, um, you know, fringe playoff teams that we're talking about in 2021, look out. I think he can have a big year. Um, You mentioned tight end, and my bias is going to show just a little bit. But I do think that this kid could be really, really good in the NFL. Um, and that's Pat Fryermuth from Penn State. I think he could oh, be. Oh, really? You think the Penn State? Dude, guy hey, be? listen. I, I, he's he's <laughs> an athletic big guy. Um, he's kind of like uh, the kid in Miami, Gesicki. Um, a lot of people were saying that Penn State. Well, listen. I'm just saying. Like, I'm just using it as a comparison, man. But I think Fryermuth could be an impact guy. I saw a mock draft. Uh, was it today or yesterday that had the Steelers taking Pat Frymuth in the second or third round? I can't remember which one it was. Not necessarily agreeing with that. I think there's bigger needs for the Steelers than tight end. Um, but I think Frymuth could be a steal in maybe the second or third round for a team that needs tight end help. Uh, I think he could be really, really good. It's possible. I mean, it's again, it, it's a lot of pressure when you have a top 10 pick. But going back to the Kyle Pitts conversation, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask for to be the next Travis Kelsey. But if you're looking to be the next Travis Kelsey, you have to be on a team 
that uses Travis Kelsey well, at, like the Chiefs. And I guess, Tom, if you want to make that comparison, yeah, I mean, it could be a good fit. Kyle Pitts to the Cowboys because you have Dak Prescott, who is a good mobile quarterback, kind of like Pat Mahomes. You have a great running back in Zeke. And then who are the receivers still there? Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Lamb and, Michael Gallup. and Michael Gallup. And then you add a third, or I'm sorry, you add a fourth receiving option with this kid, Pitts. I mean, yeah, if you're looking to kind of copy the, the winning formula in Kansas City, I mean, that's what Dallas could do with this pick. No question, uh, but you guys don't think, obviously, that Kyle Pitts is going to be as impactful as I do. You both lean towards the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence specifically I would, being the I one would, that just runs away with Rookie of the Year next year. Now, if I were to be asked, would I take Trevor Lawrence or the field for Rookie of the Year? For Rookie of the Year, it, I'd be hard-pressed to pick against Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's fair. But I would say also last year, wouldn't you think that a lot of people would say the same thing about Joe Burrow? Yeah. Just not knowing that Justin Herbert was going to be as good as he was. Would Joe Burrow have won had he stayed healthy? It's a really tough I don't question. Know. I really Herbert don't broke know. the rookie touchdown record. Yeah. So. Would Burrow have done so? Probably not. I don't think he would. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, if you look at that and you if you place that bet to me right now, like Lawrence versus the field, I think I would take the field just because we're assuming that there's going to be at least two of those rookies that get drafted in the first round quarterback wise that are probably, if if they don't start right away, they're going to start at some point in the year and maybe early in the year. And then, you know, like you mentioned a guy like Kyle Pitts or, you know, even Jalen Waddle or, or, or Devontae Smith, even, I mean, I'm, I know that they're not going to be able to put up the numbers that they did in college. Of course, it's not that easy of a transition from the college game to the NFL game, but I, I would, I know that, that Lawrence is that, you know, hot commodity and I, you know, it'd be hard to bet against him, but I think in that situation, you kind of almost would have to take the field. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks for always listening to us on Steelers Nation Radio. You can check out the podcast at Steelers.com, or you can download and subscribe to the podcast at Apple or Spotify. So if you haven't done that, please do so. We would really appreciate that. But for Kellen Gursky and Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opferman. We will talk to you on the next episode of the Steelers Standard.